Welcome to The Meeting Room, a place to gather and discuss all things relating to meat safety, quality, and production. In the past week, nearly 558 million pounds of beef, 563 million pounds of pork, and 865 million pounds of poultry were produced in the United States. These products provide a high-quality protein source within the U.S. and throughout the world. In the news this week, Meeting Place reports that an Oklahoma company, along with Oklahoma State University, are in the process of creating an edible product made from cow hides. Cow hide is a popular food choice in African and Caribbean countries, but currently is considered inedible within the United States. The companies are working to develop a process to safely remove hair, foreign materials, and contaminants from the hides to ensure that they can pass inspection and be utilized as a human food product. Though Taco Bell is still working with Beyond Meats Incorporated to develop new products for their restaurant, they have canceled the test run of the plant-based carne asada. The product did not meet company standards and led to the termination of two Beyond Meats employees. Finally, new B&M Meats, a Philly state producer, is seeking to build a new $18 million plant in Delaware. The facility will create nearly 200 jobs with the goal of opening in late 2023. Welcome to the meeting room. My name is Brandon Boosman, and I'm excited to have you join me this week. Uh, most weeks on this podcast, we focus on a specific topic in meat science and kind of dive a little bit deeper into that, whether that be something related to production um, or actual research or even doing some interviews about people that are involved in different segments of the industry. Uh, but this week, we're going to have a little bit different look in actually talking about how I got involved in meat science and tie that back as to why I celebrate Christmas. And so the past couple weeks, I've been watching a lot of Hallmark movies. Um, they're, they're pretty cheesy. And I just think that if they can make a dozen of them about a girl who moves to Vermont from the city, they should be able to do one about a girl who moves to Nebraska to be a meat scientist. And so with that, um, it's not going to be the love story, Hallmark story that you're maybe thinking. But this week, I'm going to share um, about really how meat science ties back um, with why I celebrate Christmas and what Christmas means to me. And so um, a little bit different view this week, um, but I hope that it's a story that kind of resonates with some of you well as we go into this holiday season. Growing up, I did not set out to be a meat scientist. I honestly had um, a little bit of a mini identity crisis. I've gone through many, many identity crises uh, growing up. But throughout high school and college, it was something that I struggled with a lot. And it really focused around what I wanted to be when I grew up. And this is something that I know can continue to evolve. uh, But it was something that I, I really struggled with. And I chose South Dakota State to do my undergrad, thinking that I would study nursing. And the fact of the matter being was that I had no desire to be a nurse whatsoever, but it's what my sister had gone to school for. And so I knew what the program looked like. I knew that it would be a good career, that there'd be a lot of opportunities with it no matter where I lived. And so it seemed like it would be a good fit. But honestly, just thinking about slight ailments that people can have makes me absolutely nauseous. And so I'm very, very thankful that I ended up not going that route. 
But before I even got to campus my freshman year, I decided to switch and majored in ag business. And eventually I added in the animal science, which led me down the route of meat science. And my faith was something that was always really important to me. And I knew that even when I was struggling with those decisions about what to study, that the right door would eventually be opened. Um, It was a very easy thing to say just to trust that you're going down the right path um, and the right thing will come along, but it was a hard thing for me to actually grasp. And so with that, I grew up in a Christian home, and like I said, my faith was something that was always really important and a big part of my life. Uh, We went to church on Sundays, went to youth group on Wednesdays, And it was something I enjoyed, and I mean, it it was a big part of my life. Obviously, you kind of go through the different fluxes of it as you grow up. But really, faith was just a a big part of my life from the beginning. And it sounds really cheesy, but my faith has actually really grown because of meat science. And so when I was in college, I worried a lot about what I was going to do with my life. Like I said, kind of these mini identity crises And I had chosen ag business and animal science, but I still had a lot of interests in different topics. Um, It it wasn't that I really had anything that I was truly passionate about. Um, I, I tend to consider myself kind of an emotional rock. And so because of that, I I don't feel the strong sways of emotion and uh, what I a lot of times consider passion for a certain subject. And When I say that I had a lot of different interests, um, I mean a variety. I considered ag finance. I took the LSAT in case I decided that I wanted to lean into the business and go to law school. I considered going also in animal science down like the nutrition route or something along those lines because I had a lot of interests in those different areas. I enjoyed the classes. I enjoyed the experiences I had in them, but I was just really confused about what I wanted to do with my life. And it played in the part that I did have friends that went down the nursing route and their goal was to be a nurse. Others who were studying accounting that wanted to be an accountant and others studying education that wanted to teach. I knew that I wouldn't end up being an ag businesswoman or even have the title of animal scientist. And honestly, it kind of freaked me out. And so Throughout my time at SDSU, I had the opportunity to take a number of meat science courses, but it really wasn't until my senior year that I made the decision that uh, meat science was what I wanted to pursue after graduation. And so while all of this was going on, I found a lot of comfort in the verse Luke 12, 24. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And it was something that just kind of blows my mind to think about the fact that the Lord provides for the birds. They don't plant a seed, they don't harvest a crop, they don't have a place to store their goods, but yet he provides for them. And if he is willing to do all of that for a bird, I was confident that he would provide for me. I also believe that this verse doesn't just apply to food, but that he'll provide for all of our needs and just take care of us in general. And so at this point, it was my senior year in college, I had made the decision to go to grad school for meat science and needed to find the right program. And I was a little behind the ball in choosing a school. And grad school isn't like undergrad where you just pick the school you want to go, apply, and if you're accepted, 
Um, if you meet all the school's requirements, you're accepted, you get in. Most science-based graduate programs actually start with a conversation with the professor that you want to work with, um, an interview and a tour of their lab and their department, discussion about project funding, and to wrap it up, you then apply to the program. And so basically you're in, at least from my experience, you're in once you actually do the application. And so you may get along well with the professors, but if funding isn't there for a research project and stipend, it likely won't work out. And this is just on a side note, if you're considering grad school in animal science, you should not have to pay for school or go into more debt because of it. Find a program that has funding, helps with tuition, pays you a stipend. It isn't a lot of money, but it will get you by. So anyway, one of the schools I had reached out to did not have funding for another grad student, but recommended that I reach out to uh, doctors Phil Bass and Michael Colley, who were new meets professors at the University of Idaho. And so I did reach out to those two, and right off the bat, something was a little bit different. So other schools I had reached out to, it seemed to take kind of pulling hairs to get people to respond. It was a really slow process. Um, when I reached out to these two, it was almost an immediate response. They were excited uh, they wanted to visit about uh, what my interests were, and they wanted to see if I would be a good fit for their program. And so just a few short weeks later, my dad and I were on a plane to Moscow, Idaho, to tour the university. And while I was there, I met two really incredibly energetic and excited young faculty members that were really excited to build their program. And I saw beautiful country that looked nothing like where I grew up in southeastern South Dakota, um, instead of just corn and soybeans, it was rolling uh, hills of wheat. Um, not far from the university, you could get into lentils and chickpeas and peas and um, get into Washington and see asparagus fields and onion fields and orchards and just something totally different than what I had grew up with. And I quickly realized that this was a place that um, I needed to be. And so Moving that far away from home was a really big jump for me, and I thought that it was going to take a little convincing to get my parents on board. Yes, yes, I was an adult. Yes, I could make that decision. But if I was going to make that jump, I wanted their support. And so my dad had a really good time on the visit. He got along very well with the professors as well and agreed that it was the right fit for me. And my mom, on the other hand, didn't get the experience. She didn't get to go out there with me um, and actually see the school and meet, meet the people who I'd be working with. So while my dad and I were on the plane to Idaho for the visit, um, a friend of our family from the church that I grew up going to sent my mom a text that she was doing a devotional and had a verse that always made her think of me and just hoped that I was doing well as my senior year wound down. And the verse that she sent was Luke 12, 24, the consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap, and the Lord provides for them. Now, this gal, like I said, was a good family friend, but she did not know that I was on my way to check out the school. Really, the only people that knew were my family. And so it's something that my mom knew that that verse was something that was really pushing me through. And after hearing about our experience on the trip, plus just getting that simple, with seemingly simple encouragement from a friend, uh, really made her realize that also it was the right place for me to be. And that experience alone just brought a lot of comfort, I think, in the two years of me being gone. 
Um, you know, it was it would be months in between seeing my family. I, I missed out on a lot of things, but we all knew that it was the right place for me to be. And while I was in school, I had experiences that I never imagined that really helped me grow more than I can put into words. So I got work and practical experience, of course, uh, dealing with difficult situations, leadership skills, and all of those things that you would expect to get in a graduate program. But on top of that, I got to see some of the most beautiful landscapes I could have ever imagined. Um, I experienced triumphs and frustrations that made me praise loudly and break down and weep. And like I said, I'm not really that emotional of a person, I don't think. And there's things that just got to me. Um, I learned a lot about myself. I gained a lot of independence. Um, I had friends that really took me in and became family. I had to make my faith my own. I had to make the decision of what church I wanted to attend and if I was going to attend a church. Um, I had to seek out faith-based friendships um, to find people that would continue to uplift me in that, even um, when I wasn't around kind of my core, core support system, I guess. From all of this, I felt that not only, you know, was I developing a passion for what I was studying and um, developing my interests there, but I was also really growing stronger in my faith. And I know that it's it's kind of an odd comment to tie in um, something as sentimental as your faith to a passion of what you're studying. And for me, that was meat science. But honestly, meat science is an amazing thing. And it's something that every day just kind of blows my mind. And um, when you think about all of the hands that go into preparing something as simple as a steak, when I was growing up, um, I went to a church camp where we would do this prayer before meals that said, back of the bread is the flour and back of the flour is the mill and back of the mill is the sun and the rain and the maker's will. And when you think of that in terms of meat science, uh, back of the steak is the steer and the packing plant workers, the feedlot folks, cow-calf producers, veterinarians, geneticists, nutritionists, truckers, people in HR and accounting, government, food scientists, food safety and quality assurance specialists, maintenance and engineering, store workers, and I could go on and on and on. All of those people had to show up to work to provide that uh, seemingly simple steak as a meal for you. And on top of that, just thinking about the actual production of a steak is something that's pretty amazing as well. A beef animal can eat a low-quality forage that isn't able to be digested by humans, and their body has a capability to convert it into a high-quality protein source. And that is absolutely nuts. And just even thinking one step further that a very powerful being created that animal to do that exact job. And so with that being said, meat science is not only something that I'm interested in and I care a lot about, but it's been a huge part of growing and developing my faith. My experience just to um, not only understanding the product, um, doing the research, understanding the science, but just the process that went in to get me to this point in my life um, where the focus of meat science is a career that I can be in. And I, I know that uh, tying in meat science may not be your typical testimony, but it's something that it brought me here and it, it really did help me grow. And so currently Luke twelve twenty four still brings me a tremendous amount of comfort. Uh, the ravens don't sow or reap. They don't have storehouse or barn, yet the Lord provides for them. 
And that being said, the Lord doesn't put the worm in the nest either. Uh, they, they still have to go out and work for it, but I guess that's a topic for maybe another day. But still something just so incredibly comforting that if, if he cares enough that he's going to provide for the birds, of how much more value are you than a bird? And so what does that have to do with Christmas? Well, honestly, it has everything to do with it. Um, many, many years ago, God sent his son to earth to be born of a virgin's womb. The baby boy was born in a manger. He lived a perfect life free of sin. And that perfect baby boy grew up and died on the cross for our sins so that all who believe in him and accept him as their Lord and Savior can have everlasting life. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And I celebrate Christmas because I know that I'm celebrating the birth of of my Lord and Savior, a Savior that through faith in him, I can know with 100% certainty that I will spend my eternity in heaven. A God that provides for the birds, he provides for the beef, and he provides for me. And as you go into this holiday season, I hope that you are able to find some comfort and peace in his provision. And I encourage you to read Luke 12, 24, of course, but also Luke 2, 1 through 21 to learn more about the birth of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it certainly is a good reason to celebrate. So with that, I wish you a very Merry Christmas and thank you for joining me this week in the meeting room. I hope you have a, a Merry Christmas and a safe and happy and healthy the views, information, or opinions expressed in the meeting room are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent those of their employers, including the University of Nebraska-Lincoln and others.